This is The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Now, here are Eric J. Ferda and Eileen Cunningham Fikens. Welcome to The Process on Sirius XM Stars. Eric Ferda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, here live at the Sirius XM Studios in New York City, joined by my partner in the process. Eileen Cunningham Fikens from the College Counseling Office at the Dwight Englewood School in Englewood, New Jersey. Last weekend of June. Can you believe? I can't believe. Here we are. It almost feels like midsummer at this point. Well, a lot of times with graduation taking place on college campuses in early May, by the time you get to the end of June, for some individuals, they feel like it's the end. On the college admission side, I'd love to know, Eileen, what the last few weeks you know, from graduation at Dwight Englewood School felt like. In my mind right now, the year is ending basically by July 4th, and the year really runs all the way through through the end of June. So a little bit of a respite next week with July 4th for everybody, hopefully. I hope so. I'm planning it. (laughs) (laughs) Heck yes. And also in studio with us, our great friend, David Charlo from AccessApply.com. David, how are you? I'm great. Always a pleasure to be here. It's amazing. Here we are together and with Scott. And Scott, it's like the three musketeers or, you know, Charlie's Angels and Bosley. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. So there's so much going on in the process, and we're here to help you wherever you are in this journey. As a student, as a parent, as a college counselor, an educator, we want to help you regardless of where you are in the timeline and a lot going on regardless of the time of year. I know campus visits are continuing. Some students are thinking about their essay prompts, trying to get them accomplished over the summer. And you wrote many of your letters already, have well, you Well, I've, I've scaffolded. Scaffolded them. I never put the final uh, touches on them until I meet with the students again. Um, in the fall of their senior year. But we want to make sure that we hear from you. Yeah. Call us at 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267. Or send us an email at process at SiriusXM.com. We really want to hear what questions you have at this point. And that's what this show is all about. It's just about responding to that need for clear and concise information. That's right. And, you know, so the way I, I see this again, the last weekend of, of June, there's so much going on. I think we should be a little reflective for this part of of the show, really just thinking about kind of the landscape that our, our students, our, our parents, everything that's going on around in the college big admissions picture. process, big, big picture, a lot of things that are of note, uh, even with the recent Democratic uh, debates about student Very debt. Very interesting. Very so interesting. education, healthcare, you know, these are really important issues, obviously, for all of our families. David, they're talking about student debt and planning for college on, on the financial side. Any any thoughts or observations about that big ticket? <laughs> Which literally, it's a big ticket. Well, we can, we can speak for a long time about that, but it really always comes back to the financial fit. And uh, student loans are a resource when used appropriately. But unfortunately, a lot of students and parents box themselves in by ending up having only as option schools they can't afford. And the only option to attend those schools, which they often do, is to borrow too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, the... the, the and financial stu- fit, they're borrowing too much. So they went to a place where they didn't qualify for aid and then or not they just tried to. Or I not say. enough. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, the, the net price the school offered them, the discounted price if they got scholarships, did not match what they could really afford comfortably. You know, when I think about all these big 
ideas and big issues that have been impacting the college application landscape for the past year in particular. The word that keeps coming to my mind is intentionality. And to have those intentional conversations early on in this process so that families have a conversation about financial fit and it doesn't become a taboo thing or a way that parents are um, reflecting their own parenting skills. Have I earned enough? Have I put aside enough? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really big aspect of the anxiety on the parental side. But on the student side... A lot of the times, those students don't know, right? They just don't that's even right. know. It's not a conversation that's taking place. And right. they feel awkward asking. And it's why cost recently became the fifth C on Eric's blog. That's right. Yeah. Updating it as we speak. But <laughs> okay. this is definitely an important factor as, yeah. as all for you all know, of our families. It's only about 10 minutes into the show. That's a pretty good record. First yeah. time that you mentioned the blog for the show. Uh, that's Congratulations. Right. That's right. He, he paid me beforehand <laughs> to get it in there. Um, but really, there's, there was Referencing another... page 217, please. <laughs> there was another... Um, important piece of news that I think is the, actually the flip side of the, the student loan crisis, so to speak, which was we saw a college, another college go out of business. Another private college couldn't fill their seats. That's right. Financial crisis on that side. So, so you're yeah. talking about the whole funding model then in, in, in many ways. Yes, because these schools are becoming too expensive and families are starting to say no to, right. borrow, to borrowing too much. Yes, yes. So, and so, you know, as with everything in this show, thinking about all of you as, as parents, as students, as educators, it's when you're putting together that college list, as you said, David, that financial fit is really important. And, you know, I've just been doing a great deal of research about two-year colleges as well as a pathway into the four-year colleges. And so I think overall, as families, you just need to expand your mind a little bit and not just sure. box yourself in, as Correct. you said before, David, about this is what the path looks like and there's only one path. There are many paths. There's, there's I, multiple paths. I like to remind the students with whom I work and their families, it isn't as much about where you start, it's where and how you finish. Correct. Right. And at least two or three of the Democratic candidates um, spoke about community college as a wonderful option to offset the cost, whether it's free community college or whether it is tuition at a lower rate and then using the credits earned at that community college to continue towards a degree at a four-year school. It is a great economic um, option that a lot of people overlook. That's right. That's right. So give us a call, 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267, or send us an email. At the process at SiriusXM.com. Fantastic. Well, thinking about also just a number of pieces in the news, you know, okay, we already plugged the blog, so I won't keep talking about it. But, you know, one of the pieces I wrote and I recirculate at, towards the end of the academic year is don't fumble on the one yard line. Students have worked for so hard to, you know, for their own education, applying to college, getting into college, and then we're about to, you already said that you already sent in your final high school transcripts from the yeah, Dwight Englewood School? We did. You asked a little bit earlier what it's like on our side of the desk in the college counseling offices towards the end of the year. Well, our graduate, you know, our graduating seniors, they're gone, right? Often they come back and visit, but they're really on their way. Um, but in order for them to register, they're going to need to have an official high school diploma or a high school transcript with date of graduation sent to their attending uh, institutions. And so we take care of all that. We want to make sure that the colleges see that students have maintained the performance at the le level of excellence at 
that is commensurate with when they were admitted. But do you take also, a look at that yourself? Oh, do you absolutely. flag and mm-hmm. so do you then just send it on? Or I used to remember Box saying, "Is there like a change in academic?" Yes, well, uh, achievement. Yes, both on the mid year and on the on the final school. Um, school form. Um, And there have been times that we have called a particular institution if there's a compelling situation, if there's a death in the family, or a medical situation. Yeah. um, But, you know, we also hold our students really accountable. And we tell them, you know, we've actually read previous letters of admission, that there's always a sentence in there, right? Yes, There's always a loophole that says, you know, this admission is contingent upon not only the academic performance, but the social, you know, character. And that brings up another big issue this year and very timely, and that's the social media presence that students sometimes have and how that can get them into a sticky wicket. You know, they can say things or they can post things that could be very controversial. And as we just saw recently, um, could make them very vulnerable with that admit in hand. That's and, right. you know, we saw in the news this week that an offer of admission was rescinded because of racist comments from several years ago mm-hmm. of a student who was planning enrolling at Harvard this fall. Well, it's it's amazing, even you know, being the parent of a much younger child, uh, 11 years old, you know, just last night, he's like, Mom, Dad, I need to get on social media. You know, he has his phone, so we feel like it's a safety net sometimes. But then also that, you know, he's like, I want to be on Instagram or Snapchat. And we're talk- looking at each other, like shaking our heads. And honestly, the younger your children are, so this isn't just college age, you know, talk about these digital natives. I mean, a term that's used maybe or overused, but even for the younger children, this is how they are. Are communicating. This is, yeah. you know, whether it's a group chat or, or anything else. So, you know, that never goes away. And I'm even trying to think of how do I start framing this for a much younger mind? Forget that the front lobe isn't connected to the back lobe for another 11 years. He's, he's 11. Exactly. He's so, 11 year old boy. How you have right? some of these? How, how you have some of these conversations? I mean, David, and raising your own children, you know, social, social media wasn't even an aspect at that time. However, the point is still you have to close out in a strong manner. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a lot lot of high school students who are anticipating going through the college process or as they're going through the college process create Finstagrams, you know, these these fake identities, fake names, thinking that that can't be tracked back. Let's just all agree that once you post it, it's out there. It is out there. And you lose control over the messaging and the context in which that comment or post is then interpreted. I I, I met with an expert in this area recently. I had dinner with him because uh, he's... He has some interesting things to say about this. And the first thing is that this, this negative stuff gets all the attention, and it's real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and the rules are nothing is private, nothing ever goes away, meaning right. it can be found. Um, and, and in today's society, you're not really allowed a do-over or a mistake, even when you're only you know, 14 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but the flip side of that is that it can also be positive if managed correctly. He said something that I really liked, which was something to show is more important than nothing to hide. I love that. (laughs) That's great. Future guests on the the show. I I think think he'd be a good one. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, you know, really just thinking about how these different pieces coming together, you know, kind of reflections for students, reflections for, for parents, and just kind of wrapping it up. But 
you know, as we head into the second part of the show and, and other parts of the show, you still have your sophomores, you still have your juniors. I sure. mean, the campus tours are, are, are rolling through through our campuses. And so there's always so much going on w- w- within, the, within the process. Anything else on your side, Eileen, at the end of the academic year? So transcripts are, were sent off. The students have their places. Right. And the juniors, obviously, are just about to embark on the more... Um, practical aspect of applying to college, but making sure they have a game plan for the summer. What colleges are they visiting? How are they approaching those visits? What does their initial look, look uh, list look like? And is it balanced? Is there is there a span on there? Um, making sure they're equipped with the research skills they need to ascertain whether or not it's worth going to a campus to learn more about that particular institution. You know, before we got on the air, right. we were talking about, you know, we're very visual creatures, right? So a beautiful campus can really sway uh, somebody to like that institution, whether or not it has the exact academic programs they want or the other aspects or characteristics they're looking for in a college experience. And as much as a beautiful campus can positively impact an impression, if it's raining, it can impact it. Or totally. Or if, if their shoes are uncomfortable, <laughs> right? You know, whatever yeah, it happens overall, to be. Yeah, the overall experience. And right? it could be influenced by so many small factors that become almost expanded out maybe yeah. too much. Now, I think that you know, whenever I talk to a student about college, I remind them that it's everyone thinks about it as four-year experience, four years of your life, the best four years of your life, you often hear, <laughs> right? But four calendar years is 208 weeks. Four <laughs> academic years is, 100, is four times 30, 120 weeks. So it's really Put two years, especially when you're at least one semester abroad. Oh, so wow. setting, when you frame the, the four years in terms of how many weeks you're on campus, in my mind, the setting becomes a, a lot less It's really important. interesting. And so then you're talking about everything that happens afterwards as well. With So then looking yeah. at the alumni network outcomes. or other pieces, the, the, the outcome yeah, side. Right. And, and, when, and what Eileen said, the, the academic fit. Is, is so important. It's so important. I remember many shows ago, we had Bill Phelan on from yes. College Factual who spoke about looking at aggregate data from over 30 different open data sources. Yes, he's fantastic and, and with you, that. Yeah, that he's great. And looking at those hardcore numbers. You know, recently there was an article in Forbes magazine. It was a... Uh, I think it was posted two days ago, written by Brennan uh, Barnard, who was at Dairyfield School, and he wrote about bird dogging. So asking those questions during the college tour and information session that truly elicit the information one needs, not just relying on the visual, but you know, questions revolving safety and security on campus. Of course, if you ask a tour guide, hey, is it safe here? They're going to say nonchalantly, oh, yeah, totally, right? So, <laughs> But getting beneath that, you know, outside of the blue light system, system on a security campus, um, you know, surveillance type thing. What are the crimes? Are You know, Clary Act? Yes, We were absolutely. talking about that earlier, right? So colleges are required, required. To, to publish crime statistics, right? Is it just what happens on campus or it, is, is it in that precinct? I think it, it's first defined by the boundaries of campus, but okay. then you may get it a little bit to the adjacent side, too. Okay, so questions to ask then might be a little but bit really more pointed. But it really is about campus it's, crime. Right, so what is the actual response time? What types of crimes have people witnessed on campus? Ask the tour guide, what's the most recent crime you've heard of on campus? Yes. And getting those really helpful pieces of information that begin to put the pieces of the puzzle together to get a more realistic understanding of an institution. So, so asking the hardball question, and yeah. not just giving it the softball. Well, we're going to head to break, but give us a call with your questions, 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267. The process will be right back. 
You're listening to The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Here again are Eric J. Ferda and Eileen cunningham Fiken. Welcome back to The Process on Sirius XM Stars. Eric Ferda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, here with my partner in the process. Eileen cunningham Fikens from the College Counseling Office at the Dwight Englewood School in Englewood, New Jersey. Hey, that was a lot of fun when we had our live event at DE. I and by the way, for our listeners, please go and listen to it on the SiriusXM app, On Demand. On Demand. We had a great time. We had a live audience. We had some great questions that were posed. It was a great energy and dynamic in the room. And it just reinforced my belief that the better the question and the more the questions that That's we right. get from you, the better we're going to be able to serve whatever informational needs you have. Because, like, trust me. We can talk. No, that's right? right. That's why we need your calls over the month. Have so many opportunities. 866-993-8267. And again, in studio with us, David Charlow. He's a financial aid expert, co-founder of accessapply.com. He provides resources to help you. He helps students. He helps parents. He helps families understand all aspects of college affordability and financial aid. David, again, great to have you. Great to be here. So again, we want you to call because then you too can hear your voice on Sirius XM Stars 109. So let's go to the calls. Hi there, calling from Canada. I have a daughter who is a competitive golfer with uh, the vision, the dream to go to the US um, on a golf scholarship. Just uh, after listening to this test optional, I just wanna know what your thoughts are on her focusing her final year in Canada studying for the SATs. Thank you. Fantastic question. And I think this brings up a number of pieces. Number one, athletic recruiting. Mm -hmm. Test optional is great if the schools that are in contact with your daughter are test optional. Right. And just seeing, and and you could find that pretty early on. Take a look at the NCAA regulations. Within the Ivy League, recruiting can take place, but the admissions office does not take a look at any student credentials until basically next week, July July 1, 1, after the, the junior year or the kind of the penultimate year, if you will. And depending on the division at which the institution competes, students will be required to visit the eligibility center and fill out information and actually register with the NCAA eligibility center. So how does test optional work then with NCAA eligibility if they're going to a test optional school? school It depends. That that answer that you're going to get. The the comprehensive list can be found on fairtest.org. Fantastic. And they'll actually break it down by state and in alpha order within state, which is really helpful for our families. Um, But there was a lot embedded in that question. Um, First of all, that the student is Canadian and thinking of coming to the United States as an applicant. How do you view Canadian citizens in the application pool? Obviously, it's an international citizen, but or international application, but is there any other difference in terms of that combination with athletic recruiting? I think for a talent-based scholarship, the answer is there wouldn't be a difference. Okay. However, if we're talking about need-based financial aid, at, well, need-based financial aid, but on the admission decision side to distinguish this is, is a school need blind for Canadian citizens? Many U.S. schools are need blind for students from North America, but certainly finding that out is, is, is really important. Yeah, I, I think we should step back just a minute and, and um, explain the difference between um, athletic grant and aid scholarships across divisions. Right. Uh, you're really talking about Division One primarily and a little bit of Division Two. There are no athletic scholarships in Division Three at all. So there are merit scholarships and need-based grants sometimes 
tied directly or indirectly to athletic talent. Mm-hmm. But there are no athletic scholarships with Division three, which you know many of the coaches probably you interact with might be D3. So ask that first. A, what division are you, Division one, And then how many scholarships does the golf program have? And remember that these coaches chop them up into little pieces. Right. So a golf scholarship might be one-eighth of tuition or one-fourth or one-half. Yeah, so a full ride rare, is rare. rare. If you're not in football or basketball, full ride's rare. Okay. Um, the other aspect of this was spending the student spending her final year focusing on the SAT. And again, that's going to depend on the institution. I hope that's not the and, only and thing And not at the risk of grades, really too. Yeah. And not at the risk of grades yeah. as well. So yeah. I think the test prep is important for those schools where they're going to ask for the SAT, You know, particularly with this lens towards being a potential uh, recruited student athlete. But then also just making sure that there's other balance, as we said before, with the academics, because it can't be exclusively prepping for that exam. No, I mean, everyone is talking about holistic application review. And, you know, I know we've said it many times on the program that, you know, a transcript is going to be reflective of a student's three-year journey, the in and out in the academic setting in their different classes, freshman through junior year, whereas the test is three hours and 20 minutes on a Saturday morning. It goes back to David's framing. But you need to have it. You need to have it. You do need to have it. You really do need to have it. Otherwise, you're going to significantly limit your options as a golf recruit. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's not downplay it. Let's not downplay it, and let's make sure that that your that your daughter has has that that balance. And we'd love to know. Give us a call and let us know how everything yeah, keep works us out. Up to date. So let's keep rolling. Okay. Hello, my name is Anne Marie. I'm calling from Rockland County, New York. Um, I have a couple of questions regarding the college admissions process. I am looking to take my daughter to visit colleges this summer, and I was wondering how important it is to go to both the college campus tour and the actual information session given by the college. I'm trying to hit um, three to four local colleges, and I am just wondering what I should target. Thanks so much. So I love this question, particularly since families are visiting campuses mm-hmm. right now. And something that I would just like to frame, particularly visiting three or four colleges over a week, over a couple-day period, uh, as we were talking out in the hallway before, was like maybe no more than two visits in a given, oh, in no. a given day. It, but, in a know, day. but know what you're looking for. And this is where I go back to my framing with the C's. You know, what's the culture of a place? What's the curriculum look like? And what does the community look like? Whatever framing you want to have, have that written down so that when you're visiting the schools, you can jot down a few notes and make some comparisons later on. Otherwise, you're just going to forget them. Right. I mean, they're all going to blend after a while. I mean, I think it also depends, though, on where the student is in the process. If they were a freshman or a sophomore and this might be their first college tour, I think starting early is great, but starting easy, too. I like like, that. They don't have to go to the University of Hawaii, like across the country, for their first visit. So I think it's great to hit local colleges, but also to do a sampling. To so because a sophomore isn't necessarily or a freshman isn't going to necessarily know knowing do I want a big school do I want small do I want urban no, or suburban about themselves. they don't but at least offering them a variety of campuses or, or ap- academic environments to contrast and compare is great when the student becomes a more intentional um, 
player in this process, that's when I think the research really has to come before the actual driving in the car to the campus because wh- why are you going to that campus? If You have to have a good rationale. It has to be an intentional decision. That's right. It's, it's on that visit list for a reason. And then you're going to see whether it's actually on your, your, your application list. So getting back to Emory, though, she had a question. Is it worth going to both the information session and tour? I'd love to hear from both of you gentlemen. I know what my opinion is, but I'd love to hear from each of you. Dave? I mean, I'll start. I mean, I think you need to do the information session for sure. I just hear a lot of um, a lot of stories about inconsistent tour guides. And, right. and for me, I hate it when I hear that a student has, has fallen in love or out of love with a school because of the visit in general. So I think it all has to be in context, mm-hmm. you know, the weather. That's a the, great point. Uh, so really, you, you want to know more, more about the academics and not worry about the fact that the tour guide told, talked only about their major. Yes. Right. Um, I, I think also that um, you do need, even though you might not want to, you do need to research whether the school does track your visit. And, I think and that's many, a great point. Many schools don't now. I've noticed a trend, Eric, that schools mm-hmm. have come up publicly to say they're not considering demonstrated interest. But I think that's a relatively small number of schools at the top end. Yeah. I, yes. think they, I think you have to. They can afford not to care. Yeah, I think, I think you have to understand. Not that they don't care, yeah, but no, they can afford it, not to use that as a metric. That's right. Yeah. That's right. right. Kind of factoring that in and worrying about yield that, at yeah. that point. You know, it's, it, it is interesting. And I think uh, I was just up at the, the Harvard Summer Institute on college admissions. And it was a great opportunity to have a group of individuals, college counselors. This, wasn't, this is more of, a, of an institute. So in residence for five days, a uh, number of individuals from around, around the world, a couple hundred people coming to learn. Mm-hmm. We did case studies and took a look at five candidates and had a discussion, which I, I'd like to touch on a little bit later. But the, the session, one of the sessions that I was a part of was really talking about impactful recruiting, like what works, what doesn't work. And this was a two-sided conversation from both the college counselors saying, well, we just sent our students to visit your campus, and this is what they're thinking, and you know, this is what you think you may be doing, but is that the reality and is how that that's matching up? Yeah. So you know, we all have to, I think, for, for you as a parent, as a student visiting a school, you need to be a critical consumer. I mean, as you said, Eileen, you're going to go in, you're going to have some of the information, you're going to have some foundational information, you're going to know going back to the kind of the tough questions to ask, because you want to leave that campus with a deeper understanding of that place. Right. And if you leave there still feeling like, well, I'm not really sure, there's there's responsibility on both sides of that. You know, I think a lot of students feel that a tour or a visit, their time doing a visit to a campus is um, is wasted if they realize they don't like the school. I think that That's that valuable. is a really valuable thing to learn, that there are certain things that don't resonate with them. Um, I think that's as valuable, if not more so, mm-hmm. than, you know, falling in love with all the bells and whistles. It's a valid scientific outcome when when the when it doesn't work. Right. Yeah, there you go. Right. You, you, you need to make those decisions. Right. I would say in terms of this question is look at other opportunities to get to know the place. And if you're not scheduling everything or over scheduling and just feeling like, okay, information session check, tour check, and now we're on to the next place, you're not going to have any time to be reflective. Right. And so give yourself that space, that time to be able to do that. You know, we were talking earlier about when colleges post the supplemental essay prompts on their website or through the Common App, and that's usually not until August 1. Dave, I know you have some strong feelings about this, so let I me do. hear them. I'm, I'm just curious why a college, and many colleges, don't make their prompts available until late in the summer when students you know, who are organized could take a lot of the pressure off 
by getting a slightly earlier start. So and some post them on their websites and some don't. Some don't update their websites. And then again, everyone's very busy, but this seems to be critically important to me. And I just think it would be um, more constructive and really more polite to the students if you just made right. your prompts available early. Well, that's a great idea. Um, and it's something that you know our students will often ask me about. I usually defer to say, you know, go to the website, see what was posted for the question the previous year. And I think we can all agree that the most popular question that colleges pose are in one way, shape, or form, why us? And Eric, Basically you had question. a great piece of advice um, as to those supplemental questions and how students can use that on a tour. I'd love for you to talk about that. Well, you know, going back to this index card idea and having a plan going into the visit, you know, you're visiting in June or July, right. but you may not be looking at that screen until you're going to start drafting over the summer, but you're not really kind of finishing that product until until you know, October, November, December, d depending on early decision, early action, regular decision, depending on the timeline, mm -hmm. is write those notes down. What resonated with you? Because you're going to get that why our school question. Right. Maybe through an academic lens, perhaps through kind of a student life lens, maybe a combination of both. So now you're going back and saying, okay, th these were my observations. This is what I picked up on during that visit. Take those notes because then that's going to be your catalyst when you're actually now sitting, sitting down, down to write to write those yeah. letters or uh, those those essays. But the other thing I remember you saying is if you do have some understanding of what a supplemental question is from the previous year, let that Start, frame, frame how you're perceiving that college and try to answer that question while you're on the campus visit. I think that's a great idea. And I think I would combine Eric's advice with something you said earlier, which is, you know, before the visit, when you're doing your due diligence online on the school's website, start that index card. Right. Yeah, and, and, and make love the notes index cards, folks. Okay. And, and follow up because so and analog. then save it. You know, and, and give write, Scott a call and we'll send you an index card. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and really, you might be making notes on your phone now, right? But that's right. Either, well, but, but the, here's the thing: I've heard people say that if they are watching a student taking notes on their phone, it's hard to tell whether or not they're texting somebody. That's true. Or they're actually dialed uh, it, it in. It can it can become that distraction that you don't right. want to have. You know, actually taking the time to process the chicken scratch that they wrote right after even a few weeks after. So there's a double processing, so to speak. Here, here, here's a related question to this. And I'm curious as to what you both think, because I, I often hear you know, the question, well, don't I have to visit while school is in session? Oh, gosh, no. Which is really, really hard for high school students to do who are so busy. They can't fit all these visits in during the, during the high school academic, academic year. They yeah. have to use the summer, in my opinion. I agree. Um, and Definitely. I think it, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference whether the students are And we're geared up for that then, too. You know, yes, the experience is going to be somewhat different. People could say, well, our students are in here. You know, there's vitality on a college campus at any time of year. There's summer programs for high school students. There are people walking through our campuses. Some may be a bit sleepier than others, but... And the physical aspects of the campus are not going to shift. The buildings are still the buildings. The layout, the the town-gown relationship of where is that institution? Is it right and plunked in the middle of a town or is it outside of a town? And here's the other thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but every tour guide that I've ever met in during a summer tour is a full-time undergraduate student of that institution. Oh, absolutely. So they're, they're doing research on campus. Provide, right? They're they can provide experiences. That absolutely. So this is what we're going to do. As you are traveling through the month of July, visiting campuses, yes. and you have reflections, you're going to leave us a message at 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267, and you are going to ask a question in that moment, and we're going to get to it. 
Excellent. then you're going to be able to hear your voice on Sirius XM Stars 109. You're listening to The Process. This is Eric Ferda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania. And Eileen cunningham Fikens from the College Counseling Office at the Dwight Englewood School in Englewood, New Jersey. And David is with us from Access Dave Applied. Charlo. Let's roll to another question. Hi, I have a question for uh, the host of The Process about, it's a college question. My name is Megan from North Carolina, and I'm wondering if there's any topics I should avoid when I'm writing my college essay. Like, should I avoid talking about my political views in this climate? Should I avoid talking about, like, financial things? Um, I'm just curious, as I'm getting going over the summer, if there's anything that's off limits. Okay, thanks so much. Bye. That's I'd a, love to hear I, your perspective. That's a great question. It's an incredible question. And I, I've heard you share your opinion about this before as well. And, you know, sometimes say, you know, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion. You know, th- there are some third rails sometimes, while also, you know, when I go back to the construct of, of self-discovery, ideas, interests, um, just your intellect, what inspires you, you know, you, you can't sanitize yourself so much from anything that is interesting to talk about, here's the piece. It's you need to bring it back to yourself. Right. Why is this important? Where does it come from? It's not exclusively saying, here's my view, what has informed that view? So you're you're big on the eyes, right? So it has All to be individual and I individual. think it has to be intentional. So if you're writing about a particular topic, why? So to focus on the why and the how. Why is this topic so important to you? Why is it important that the reader of your application have an understanding of that? How has this particular topic shaped who you are as opposed to the what and the when? Right, you, but yes. the, those three-letter words, I think, are much more indicative of a reflective as opposed to an instructional essay yes, or yeah. narrative. Now, interesting about, about financial pieces. And, you know, when you think about family struggle that may take place, it may be a reflection of what was learned because you needed to have a job and what you learned on that job. That's a good point. You, you know, I think there are some times, and I say this to families uh, as they're visiting campus and, and certainly through this forum, is if, and I know we're talking about the essay right now, but if there's some topics that just make you feel anxious, a big part of this process for for students and parents is having conversations about those things too right. and not just kind of keeping it bottled up and in some ways this college process can be that opportunity to let some things out because it's going to make you reflect and think about where you're going to be and then i think the connection going back to the you know kind of the why our school question is how are you then making that connection even if this is a broader essay for like the common application or coalition or whatever the case may be, but then there might be a thread that then pulls into that why our school sure. question, even then, though it starts from the broad. And and there's something else that I want to make sure that we touch on. Um, Megan, thank you for your question. You know, she mentioned, uh, what about political views in this climate? And I want to make sure that it's very clear that when somebody is evaluating an application, they're not necessarily judging the views of an applicant as much as they are evaluating how the applicant is able to convey their thoughts. That's right. Right? So it's not, oh, you think up and I think down, but more how 
how that student uses that opportunity to be reflective about themselves. Uh, and I think that's fantastic. And you know, so here, here's another piece with these essays is there's going to be a connection to other parts of the application. Right. If you're talking about political views, you we may see that you are involved in those things and discussions on your, your high school, secondary school campus, that you're in the, on the debate team or that you're a part of student government. Or Model UN. For Model that UN. Matter. So there's a lot of different ways that you have already shared your views. Here's a question, though. What if they're a member of the Young Democrat Club or the Young Republicans Club? I mean, this seems to be a climate that is politically sensitive. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, Would that raise any red flags, do you think, for any admissions offices if a student does um, state in their extracurricular activity list a particular political party affiliation? It's, it certainly shouldn't. I would, I, when you're trying to think about having a campus that is reflective of different views, whatever they may be, and also, I mean, I think this is one of the challenges of a two-party system or a three-party system sometimes is, you know, one side, the young Democrats and young Republicans, you know, they're not monolithic pieces, right? It's, right. They are, are, they're textured. There's somewhat of a range of view within those, and sometimes it skews one way or the other, depending on the climate, you know, as, as, as Megan asked. So even showing within a certain context or framing, it's, and here are my views. And by the way, I also have my own individual views, and they can't all be locked into, you know, one party or the other. And why are we doing this? You know, it's the Democratic debate last night. Well, that's the just last it. Couple if, in a year such as this, I think we're going to see a higher percentage of, of essays or aspects of a student's profile that they're going to be sharing because they're dialed into what's going on nationally. I had a really interesting question along these lines from a friend of the family recently who's a, um, uh, a marksman of some accomplishment. His high school has a, um, a, a shooting team. Like a riflery? A riflery team. Uh-huh. And he's, you know, he's nationally ranked. You know, in a, in a 22. Cool. Um, as a marksman, he's like, growing well, up can, in upstate can, New York, can I, I used can to, I go even to the put that on my application? Oh, because of he, the Can gun. I even put it on my application? He, oh. it, you know, I, it's an interesting question. Now, here's something if it was archery, do you think it would have the same effect? Absolutely not, right? Correct. I think it would, it would land differently, but totally. that's a really interesting thing. Again, my word for the day intentionality. Right. It, it's surfacing in almost every aspect of the process. Well, And this is really, you know, the context. I'm on the uh, scholarship committee for the Lenfest Foundation, which focuses on students from central Pennsylvania, rural, large, Economically lar- disadvantaged lar- largely agrarian communities. Yeah. And well, I grew up in upstate New York and I grew up around this and I went to the armory with the 22 and, you know, you know, so it's part it, of the it, geographic it, it, culture. It, it absolutely is. And so. On a college campus, you want to make sure that you're having this range of views and really to Megan's question. So, you know, I think... I think they have to know their audience. Know, know your, I think that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Know your audience and then really think about, you know, what how it to is... Frame it. How, how to frame it and what it is that, that you're trying to share. Before we head to break, we do have a theme with our music. So we already heard Philadelphia Freedom. Elton John, haven't seen the movie yet, Rocket Man. Probably have to go check that out. That's a good summer film. Good good summer film. Uh, And we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267. We'll be right back on The Process. You're listening to The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Here again are Eric J. Ferda and Eileen cunningham Fiken. Welcome back to The Process on Sirius XM Stars. Eric Ferda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania with... Eileen cunningham Fikens from the College Counseling Office at the Dwight Englewood School. And in studio, we've got Dave Charlo, 
from hey, Access Applied. New York, New York, Sirius XM stars, end of June. A lot going on. A lot going World on. World Cup is going oh, on. so good. Go Heading girls. into 4th of July week. Yep. So much going on that we are excited. Again, as I said earlier in the show, it's kind of the end of the fiscal year on college campuses, too. So we have administrative pieces wrapping up. We're halfway through the calendar year, if you can believe that. That's a little daunting, right? Past I'm the a, summer solstice. Past the yeah, summer past solstice. The, yep. What a beautiful, beautiful evening that was. That was great. All I was doing was driving, but I appreciated it just was, having it like... It was a beautiful, long, light evening. Long, long, light evening. So we want to hear from you throughout the month because in the process, we are here to help you as parents, as students, as educators, wherever you find yourself in the college process, which in some ways could even start as early as middle school. I don't want to cause anxiety around that, but there's some planning that takes place over a longer period of time. So give us a call, 866-993-8267. And I think there's a call that's in that kind of deals with that. Can we go to that at this point? Let's go to the call. Hi, this is Bart from New Jersey. Um, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and I am pretty petrified of what how I'm going to be able to afford um, college for her. Is there anything I could start doing now to help me prepare and get me into a better place when the time comes? Thanks. Okay, first of all, Bart, how awesome are you as a dad that you're already thinking about this when your child is seven years old, daughter Se- is seven years old? Second grade, heading into third grade. Right? And a, a good part of this question, too, I think, as well, we don't have the full context, is you know, just even the educational expenses for third grade through high school, too, right? right? And Whether even, it's public or private or parochial. That's right. right. So there's a lot of different pieces there. But what I really appreciate about Bart's question is, as you said, Eileen, is the thoughtfulness where... You're giving yourself some runway here. You have mm-hmm. some planning time. So, David, particularly with your lens through accessapplied.com and working with families thinking about college affordability, here's someone that's actually giving you the opportunity to say, it's not next year, what do I do? Right. Preach do it. This? Preach okay. it, Dave. So, uh, I'll start by saying that there's a common misconception out there that you're punished for saving for college, that you'll often receive you know, less aid or no aid if you have saved and your neighbor hasn't. And you hear lots of times from people, at least, you know, I certainly heard many, many times from people, you know, my neighbor spends every nickel and they got a full ride here and I have did everything right and I'm getting punished for saving for college. So you are not punished for saving for college for, it for a couple of reasons. It also seems a little risky, right? Because you're well, banking on the fact that, no yes. pun intended, but you're banking <laughs> on the fact that somebody's going to be really generous. Well, exactly. And you're not only that, but you're also banking on the fact that when your student is applying to colleges, they're going to be appropriate for these schools that are still awarding aid on the basis of need only. And mm-hmm. that's a shrinking subset of schools that awards aid, uh, awards aid solely on the basis of need and meets whatever they determine your need to be. Right. That's a couple dozen schools at this point, three dozen schools. It's not many. They're all highly selective. That will, that will provide the financial aid that you, so, through your forms, right. demonstrate. So, so, so you if you need. demonstrate greater need... Because you didn't save, you know, you may do better at a couple of schools, maybe. Um, Those formulas, if you want to dig into the weeds, are much more income-driven than asset-driven. So that was always an exaggerated point that you get punished for saving, number one. But the trend for many years, 20 years now, has been away from need-based aid towards non-need-based aid, merit or other discounting. 
Okay. So save, save, so, save. So, so the merit side tied to academic achievement, test scores, <laughs> athletics, other Art special talents. Right, or, or some discount you know, driven is what? Yeah. Well, there, there are there are schools that are very intentional about their merit discounts. Your GPA is X, your SAT score is Y, you get Z. Okay. There are other schools that run very sophisticated algorithms, econometric models with lots of data points, hundreds sometimes. They they calculate how much they have to give you for your kid to enroll because they're looking to maximize wow. net tuition revenue in the aggregate. Sure. Okay, so they know. And sometimes if you can afford to go, they know if they give you just $10,000, that You'll elasticity. Come. We'll pay the other sixty. And, and they're, they're, this is a, this is a billion dollar consulting business for college campuses. There are lots of people running very you know, very sophisticated sophisticated models to tell colleges how to how to do this. So let's bring this for the for the parents and this but, question so, because it really is. There's a lot going on that we don't control. Right. So, so the answer to the question. We can so I, I'm not a I'm not a financial planner. So but basic financial planning advice is you know you want to save mm-hmm. what you can save. Right. Uh, personally, I would say for retirement first, tax advantage retirement. There are no scholarships for retirement. <laughs> There's, <laughs> There's no. no discounting for your retirement unless yeah. it's the refrigerator box under a, the bridge. Yeah, that's my plan right yeah. now. Yeah. You don't get um, a financial so, aid package? <laughs> right, you don't. So I would say, personally, you know, save the max you can for retirement. Okay. If you can save more. And that's usually protected from the financial aid formulas, correct? Th- th- those assets are totally protected from okay. the financial okay. aid formula. Good good point. So they, they don't count. You don't have to... You don't have to you don't have to disclose the money you've already saved in a 401k or a 403b. Okay. 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 Right. So that's good. But, that's an but, important but, distinction. But if you can then, you know, save some more in a 529 or some other mechanism for uh, for college, then I, I think you should because the flip side is you're just going to have to borrow. Right. Which is reverse savings. That's right. right. It's, it's the same. It's just on the back end and not the front end. Right. So my son it's more costly. The compounding college. is going in the wrong direction. Exactly. When you're, exactly. Yeah. When, you're, when you're borrowing. So I had two children in college at the same time. My daughter graduated a year ago, May. My son just graduated this May. And we started 529s for them way, way, way long time ago. And it certainly didn't cover the total cost of attending for four years. But even just having freshman year. Um, pulled out of the five two nine, and in some case, you know, it's was up it to necessary for year. you to pull it all out for that freshman year, no. or could you kind of spread that out in other ways that you would want? You want to use it once they're in school, right? You you want to use that up, yes. and frankly, it, it, that's what it's there for. Yes. So you have to keep that in mind while you're also considering what your out of pocket expense is going to be without that five two nine for the subsequent years. Right. And it depends on what other resources you have, but cer- certainly, you know, you would rather use the five twenty nine early before going to borrowing. Why? Yes. You know, you'd want Why the interest borrow? clock to start ticking later rather than sooner if right. you if you have to borrow eventually. You know, another thing that I know a lot of families have thought about, and it's something that we didn't necessarily do in our family, but don't think I didn't think about it. Um, you know, big holidays and birthdays. You know, the aunts and uncles, the grandparents. They're like, oh, what? You know, what can I get him? What can I get her? A really great gift is, you know, invest in their education. So whether it's a contribution to a 529 or or something of that nature, so it comes from the grandparent into the 529 for the child. But I mean, like... A lot of grandparents open their own 529s. Exactly. The student's the beneficiary. Um, But you can move money across, you know, you can rename if you have a bunch of grandchildren or children, you can move them across. You can use them for graduate school. You know, in, in the best case, you get a great scholarship and you have to... 
you can't use it, so you just pay a little tax penalty to you know on the back end for right. the benefit you received all along. And as along. you said, there still may be there still may be graduate school opportunities correct. as well. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I guess the point is save. Think ahead and save. If you can, then you should save. Even if it's just a little little compound, right? Correct. Okay. Well, you know, this this really does wrap to, you know, college affordability overall. What's great about this question is that there is some time to plan. We want to make sure that families are planning through this process, you know, all, all the way through. And what I've been looking at recently is really, you know, again, heading into the summer, reflecting on, on, on the past year, you know, those families that come onto Penn's campus and just seem to, they're able to step back a little bit more. And, you know, for, for, the, for the parents that are listening right now in particular, just kind of establishing some of those boundaries of how you're going to even talk about the college process, making sure that it is not all time consuming. I could see like literally, Dave, I could literally see Eileen as I walk into our admission visit center, those families that are enjoying it at one right. level. Those that maybe they're not like gleeful about it, but you know, you, using your word, there's some intentionality. They're getting the information that they need, and then I see those families that really extreme fear, and I think that fear usually comes from a couple different pieces. Can I get in? Right. And so let's try to frame that. And can I afford the education? If you could lift those two pieces up by putting together a great college list with financial fit. You, don't, you, you could lift some of that anxiety. And I think that's really the point that I'd like to make around the opportunity as families point. are visiting campuses right now through, through the summer. If you're looking through a lens of stress, it's going to impact how you perceive everything on that campus. And I always tell the students with whom I'm working, you know, flip it. Don't think about it flip as the list too. flip yeah. the list, yeah. but also flip the attitude. Like, don't necessarily <laughs> think, am I good enough? Instead, have that prioritization or rubric or list of characteristics See, I, is I a love college that. good I love that for rubric, me, though. right? So like, who earns a spot on my list? And instead of feeling victimized by that, being proactive and having a sense of control and intentionality. With, with just a, a few more seconds before we wrap for this great month of June, any advice, particularly just closing out the year at the Dwight Englewood School that you would provide to, to families kind of rising up, maybe the sophomores, juniors, seniors? Summer is a great time to visit schools. Pace yourself. I think pacing is key. Um, that That's all I've got, you know? Um, and make good use of the counseling office at your high school. And I'm sure there's boundaries around that over this time of year and what that looks like. Yes, and many counseling offices, many college or campuses for high schools are closed for the summer, but we're back in August. So that's a great time, too. David. I think as well, to, to segue on, on Eileen's intentionality, you can hit the net price calculators to get an estimate of affordability before you book your time and spend your money on campus visits. That's right. So you might want to you do that. And I also want to make sure that for families, again, uh, whether you're looking at this from a student entering middle school or through high school, summer can be pretty long. Mm -hmm. And I know that for, for my for my son specifically, not a little less so for my daughter, is that, you know, what math is retained after a three-month break? And I'm not saying, hey, go do more homework. I want students of all ages to rest, relax, probably have that part-time job too once they're of age for that. Say, or internship inter or whatever it is. Had those experiences, not just to fill up the list. However, book reading and maybe some fun math to do to keep, so, it, to oh, keep yeah, it together. To keep your sharp skills, right, or your skills sharp. 
Well, that's the process. We'll be back at the same time on the last weekend of the month right here on Sirius XM Stars. In the meantime, keep the questions rolling. Happy summer. 866-993-8267. Happy 4th of July. Woo!